0: Hi, I'm Nicole Ferraro, and this is The Divide, a podcast from Light Reading, exploring the ongoing digital divide, why and where it still exists, and what needs to be done to get people everywhere connected to reliable, high-speed internet. And I'm delighted to be here at ACA Connects with Joey Wender, the director of the Capital Projects Fund at the U.S. Treasury Department. Welcome, Joey. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to talk with you today. Um, You're going to be speaking a little while from now. Uh, Do you want to give us a little preview on what you're going to be talking about.
1: Absolutely. Well, first, again, thanks for for having me on. My pleasure. The first thing I'm going to tell everybody is how excited I am with the progress that we're making at the Capital Projects Fund, that to date, of our $10 billion that we were appropriated uh, in the American Rescue Plan, we have awarded nearly $5 billion. Again, that's $5 billion with a B dollars for broadband. Yeah uh... grants around the country
0: five billion dollars that's a lot of money and i know all about it because i've been tracking those grants as they're getting dispersed by the states um... they are rolling out in into operators hands and they're going to be creating broadband really soon or some of them are probably in the process of of doing so so it's very cool and you and i were just speaking a little bit offline about how it's funny that uh this doesn't get a lot of attention because it's just 10 billion dollars right. and the NTIA is working with you know a lot more than that uh but uh, if it were not for that bead fund this would be the star of the broadband uh broad- broadband federal funding show right now so i'm glad to give it some attention thank you so much
1: <laughs> and look and we're and nicole we're, we're happy you know, with our role in the greater universe, yeah. right, of broadband funding that, you know, we view our role just in the same way as commerce views their role, which is achieving the Biden administration's goal mm-hmm. of achieving universal access across the United States. Yeah. So we think of our money, our just our $10 billion, right, is the first wave right. of funding to, to hit the beach. Right. And, and at some point soon, you know, that bead money is a much larger wave that's gonna come ashore. Yeah. And it's gonna to continue to help states plug their holes and reach all Americans.
0: So tell me a little bit about where some of this money has gone. Um, like I said, I track a lot of the grants that go out every week from the states, but yesterday you guys also um, I distributed equity funding. That's so right. tell, me, tell me a little bit about both. Tell me a bit about sure. where this funding is sure.
1: going. Well, let, let me let me start from the, let me give you the origin story.
0: Please.
1: Now, our money was appropriated in the American Rescue Plan, which is separate from where the money for BEED comes from. Mm-hmm. Our money was not in the bipartisan infrastructure bill. It comes from a COVID relief bill. And the reason why it was in the COVID bill is because you and I both know, and I'm sure all of our listeners know, that broadband is essential. Mm-hmm. But when the pandemic started in March of 2020, it truly was a national teaching moment. That while you and I and our listeners knew you needed it, all of a sudden, everybody knew it. The spotlight was on broadband. If you did not have a high-speed internet access at your home, you were completely left behind right. economically and socially and health monitoring and education all and so Congress was able to sneak in, slip in however you want to describe it ten billion for capital projects to in- improve connectivity Mm -hmm. in the rescue plan. And so what Treasury did was create three presumptively eligible uses for the money. One's broadband access. That's the thing we think of the most. That will be the majority of the funding. But we also said to states, you could use the money for technology, so laptop programs and public Wi-Fi, but also for multi-purpose community centers and all the programming that goes with it, the skills training, digital navigators, and the rest. And what we've seen from states is most states want to use it for multiple purposes. Um, you know, I said yesterday at Net Inclusion in San Antonio, I announced our first digital equity grants, which is 15 and a half million to Kansas for devices and public Wi-Fi. And that there's over 20 states that have asked have applied for digital equity money. And we are excited to roll out those projects as well in the coming months.
0: Yeah, that is really exciting. Um, so the the thing that strikes me about all of this money that's going sure. out is you all within the federal government are running these programs a little bit differently. So mm-hmm. whereas the FCC through ARDOF distributed funding to the ISPs um, or awarded funding, um, you guys are getting plans from the states, right, for how they want to spend that funding. That's and then right. the states are then taking that funding and running a grant process that uh, they have to get bids for from That's right. their various ISPs. Um, tell me a bit about your thoughts on that version of a federal program versus an ARDOF-type version where it's just like from federal to companies.
1: Sure. Well, first, let me make very clear that we are implementing a statute
0: right. oh, that Congress
1: yes. passed. Right? Mm -hmm. So Congress directed us, in its wisdom, to do this. Yes. So it is not my, it is not... It wasn't Joey's idea. It (laughs) was not my idea. I am not, I cannot, I, 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 I was a Senate staffer at the time, but I cannot take credit for it, and I don't want to judge it. However, however, I do think there is tremendous value in the way the pendulum has swung towards giving states control and giving states essentially the first say in how these funds are spent, right? And the reason why I think that's so important, as we've seen throughout the country, is that needs are different depending upon where you are. And it's not just about demographics. It is about topography. It is about geography. It is about what is the existing set of providers that are in a certain place. So the solution in California is different than it is in Connecticut, or Maine versus Massachusetts versus Maryland. And so I do think there is a a brilliance and an elegance to giving states so much discretion so long as they follow our general rules mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because they are taxpayer do- federal taxpayer dollars right. and we have to make sure that we're all being good stewards of the funds right
0: so so far uh, are the states following your rules as far as you can tell oh absolutely okay
1: absolutely i mean so we've as i said a- at the start we've awarded broadband money to 33 states mm-hmm. and to the tune of almost 5 billion dollars and now we're starting to approve our digital equity and our multipurpose community centers as well yep. When we approve an award, it has gone through a thorough review process by our team at Treasury. We've iterated back and forth with the state to ensure that all the rules are being followed. I mean, for instance, let's talk about broadband. Mm -hmm. It's gotta be 100 symmetrical, the build out standard. The provider has to participate in the affordability program, the ACP at the FCC, amongst other rules, right? That's not a, those rules are not should or maybe you should like those are requirements, right? And we have to make sure that that's going to happen before a Before a state is able to proceed to putting out an RFP for uh, for for construction
0: But in terms of the hundred symmetrical. Mm-hmm. There is some leeway, right? There that? is some leeway Where are you allowing that leeway?
1: So we've for the most the vast majority of the funds will be a hundred symmetrical, okay. you know, we anticipate and then some you know, some very rural areas in places where a, we'll say a wireline provider doesn't want to go, yeah. there's going to be instances where 120 is going to be acceptable, so long as it's scalable up. But again, we're only going to be making those exceptions for topography, geography, and excessive costs.
0: OK. But you did get pushback when you were setting that rule, right, uh, from the industry, I believe, and perhaps some people in Congress?
1: Um. You know, everybody's got opinions,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> right? Look, ultimately, we we want to make sure that our funds, the investments we're making, are not just for the next years. They're for the next decades.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so it is true. We have put our thumb on the scale in favor of fiber. Right. That is a true thing. I, I will admit it because we think that is the most future-proof Forward-looking technology. However, as our guidance explicitly contemplates, we know that is not possible in every single location in mm-hmm. the United States. Right. And so we're making those exceptions and in in the face of reality.
0: Um, okay. So one subject that is front of mind to everybody here uh, is overbuilding, which yes. some other people might. Call competition. Um, so I'm curious to know where you, uh, how you manage that within the capital projects fund and what level of concern you're hearing from industry players as you're distributing grant funding.
1: Sure. Great question, to call about overbuilding. When it comes to awards and where they're, where they're spending the money, our, our guidance is also very explicit on it. And we say that states have to have a plan to avoid duplication, to avoid spending money where there's an existing federal commitment. Right. And we take that seriously. But I'll say this, our money, it's also very clear is our money can be a match for BEAD. That's explicit in law. And the other thing that we're encouraging states is because the timeline, it, it will be challenging, let's say this, okay. it'll be challenging for states to actually mat, use our money as a match for BEAD. Given that the timelines we're separated in time by by potentially years. And our money expires in 2026. But we all well we at the end of 2026. But what we are telling states is have a comprehensive plan. We we all acknowledge there are multiple sources of federal funding. And again, this is the system that Congress created. Yeah. And we're trying to navigate it as best as possible. Yeah. But they should, states need to be thinking holistically. And I know NTA is telling states the same thing. Think holistically about where am I going to spend capital projects money? Where am I going to spend the rest of my ARPA money from Treasury? Yeah. Where am I going to spend my BEV money? Think about that. Think about your whole map, literally your whole map, and ensure that all of the uses are complementary and they're not overbuilding. Right,
0: right. OK, that's fair. That's a good answer. Um, I was wondering, you know, you, you kind of highlight how complicated all of this is. Can you humanize the process of what it looks like for you know, the capital projects department or whatever you call yourselves within Treasury? Uh, when you get these, you know, state plans or whatever it is, what happens? How do you go, what does the process look like to approve sure. these things? Well, we read them. <laughs>
1: no way. <laughs> <laughs> we review them.
0: Crazy, I'm right. And
1: another <laughs> person reviews it. And then after after a a couple people review the plan, it elicits questions. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Nicole might have some questions. Mm -hmm. Joey might have some questions. And then you start that iterative process with the states. But explain to me what you mean here. Can you give some more detail here? Again, we're not, this is a state-driven program. That being said, we're not cutting blank checks. We got to make sure that you've thought it through, that you've got a plan for identifying communities in need that have a critical need. Also that you've got procedures in place to ensure that you're following, we'll say the Cash Management Improvement Act. We don't have to go over what that means, but it's essentially it's financial systems in place that that avoid waste, fraud, and abuse, right? Every state's got to have systems in place. They all do. Right, because this is not the only, this is not the first grant program ever created, but we want to make sure that states are are tailoring them and applying them in the right way to this project, to this program, because this, I will say this, what we're doing here, while it's a grant program, it's not exactly like lots of other grant programs, right? It's a little unique yeah. in that, and you're not in your head, because unlike a traditional grant program, we'll say where, where, a, where a, a, a town gets money to build a fire station, yeah. or to pave a road. You're gonna pay a contractor to build the building, or you're gonna pay a contractor to pave the road. But when you're done, when the contractor's done in the firefighters, the fire station case, they hand the key to the city. Right. All right, here's your fire station. There you go. Or in the case of the road, once it's paved, well now the city is the one that operates it. Right. It's the city that won, is the one that maintains it. This is a little different mm-hmm. because what we're doing here is we're using, it's a subsidy, right? we're yeah. subsidizing construction costs to address a market fla- failure, to attract ISPs to go places they didn't want to go before, absent the federal assistance. And then once they're done doing the build-out, they don't hand the key back. Right. They operate it. Right. They maintain it. They spend their own capital on that. And they generate income off of it. The asset itself generates the income. And that's the only benefit. That is the benefit an ISP gets. Right? There's no benefit if you think about it during the construction phase in most instances states are requiring a match from ISPs yeah. which is a good thing everyone's got a skin in the game but an ISP generates zero income right right, right. until yeah the project's complete and they start providing service and sign up customers yeah. so it is a it is a it is a uniquely different model of what we're trying to do here
0: yeah absolutely the other incentive for them is they better Bid for the money, or somebody else will.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, someone else is going to go yeah, in.
0: Yeah. All right. One more question for you, and then I'll let you go. Um, you've spent about five billion of your funds. Well, you have, haven't
1: spent <laughs> it. We've awarded <laughs> about awarded, five billion. billion. Sorry,
0: my my mistake. Yes. Um, you've awarded five billion. You have another five billion. So, um, where do you see that going? Do you already have state plans that you're reviewing? Like, what? When should we expect to see that funding go out?
1: We'll continue to operate on a rolling basis, <laughs> which is what we have from the start. Yeah. And we made our first awards back in June of last year mm-hmm. to West Virginia, Virginia, New Hampshire, and Louisiana. Yeah. And we we didn't we didn't pick those states; they picked us. Mm-hmm. They were some of the first plans that came into us that were the most prepared and most ready to go. Yeah. And in most of those states, construction has actually already begun. Which is phenomenal. Yeah. Which is really an amazing, remarkable thing that we should be talking about and celebrating. And so the question is where do the rest of the when does the rest of the money get awarded? Over the coming months. Yeah. We okay. will have awarded we will have awarded essentially all of it by the end of the year.
0: Excellent. Well I will be keeping track of all Good. of those in our build out column every week. I make sure to keep track of uh, what what states are awarding those funds and who's starting construction. So Thank you so much for all the great work you're doing to expand broadband in the country and for taking some time to talk with me about it. I really enjoyed it.
1: Thank you so much.
0: My pleasure.